1: Hi there. My name is John Paul Kermy. I am a breathwork teacher. I train people on how to teach breathwork as well. I'm really excited to be doing this new podcast with my good friend Feldy called Hangups, where we're going to help you change your life. We're
2: going to show you how to transform your life with different tools. That's right. I'm John Feldman. I'm in a band called Goldfinger. John Paul taught me breathwork. It changed my life. I have struggled with anxiety and depression throughout my life and I've gotten through it. This is a solution-based show. We're talking about solution. To problems today. So here I am doing everything I can, holding on to what I am, telling on the super man. Legendary artist, singer, songwriter, musician. Producer Alec Benjamin, ladies and gentlemen,
3: welcome to the oh, show. Oh, thank you. I was about thank to say I was like, I don't know who you're introducing. That doesn't sound like me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Dude, when I saw you play at the El ray man, it was like you have this like comedy thing that happens during your show, this whole like, I don't know, like like not like sexy, non-sexy presence that just drive girls crazy. It's like it's all this all this stuff that you have that you're probably not even aware of,
3: but man. Well, you know, yeah, none of that sounds like me, so, <laughs> but I appreciate it, keep yeah. going, it's, it's, it feels great. <laughs>
2: yeah, I got, I was, I was horny as fuck, I was like, this is a show, I'm on it. I, I, wanted, I
3: this miss performing, man, it's weird, like I, you know, um, I grew up like, you know, obviously like listening to all of the records that like that you made and then also like Goldfinger as well and like, I think it like such a huge part of just like the music that I, it's, I feel like I'm missing like so much from not being able to experience live music. It's make, it makes me sad. So when you talk about like the shows and the El Ray, it makes me very uh, nostalgic for a time when shows existed.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen you play a few times and it's like, yeah. uh, you definitely are a performer. I mean, all jokes aside, you are an amazing performer. And the the way the way you put your shows on is very unique. And, and just, you know, <laughs> at least that first time I saw you at that little teeny club, I, I, I seem to remember a very Beastie Boys kind of like vibe that you had with the boombox and the just the whole like I don't know there was like this Public Enemy Flavor Flav thing happening it was like it was I was so finding weird. my
3: way I was wearing I remember I wore a gold chain <laughs> and I had a boombox but it worked it was fun it was you gotta amazing. you gotta experiment oh thanks
2: God I want I wanted to sign you so bad dude I was like this kid is gonna be so big
3: and well um, it's a good thing that you didn't sign me then because i was a nightmare for like (laughs) like it took me a while to find my footing and figure out like sort of how to be a human and uh, figure out how to sort of like navigate all of the um you know the treacherous path that is the music industry but also i just wasn't mature enough so but ultimately i think i'm starting to kind of find my way. I don't know. <laughs> I felt pretty, I have felt pretty lost over the last few months, but I think it's just a symptom of the COVID lockdown.
1: How were you a nightmare? I want to explore that. Were you just demanding green M&Ms in your dressing room or just like with getting a deal done with a record label? Like what, what, what did that look like?
3: Well, I think, um, I think, you know, I'm in a lot of ways, like I'm a nightmare to myself because uh, I overthink everything. And that's one thing that John, you know, um as, talked to me about a bunch um, and so it's like y'all Yo, man you're just thinking too much about it you got to go with the feeling you know and and in my head I, I perseverate and I go over and over things and so that was kind of like trying to put that that's a part of me that still comes back every once in a while but I'm getting better at recognizing it when I see it and knowing how to like put it aside but um I think that kind of hampered my progress in the beginning and also I just had some growing up to do and I had a lot of learning to do so I was I don't know if I was a nightmare but I mean I, I definitely I wasn't ready.
2: You were I, never a nightmare in my experience with you, man. You were always just, you know, you're always questioning like what you, you, you knew what your goal was and you're like, how do I get there? And there were just a lot of moments of just trial and error, you know? Right. And I, and, and look, I, I'm, I'm a fucking nightmare too. So I, 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 <laughs> no, I, you're I, not. I, I get it. I, you're a lovely do? human being. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm another human being. That's, that's no, a, lo- a lovely, that. a
3: lovely human being. You are another human being but you're a lovely human being. i would you are I, to me you're exceptional
2: well thank you man i've you know I, I guess what i what i what i'm trying to say is i really relate to when you know the the quote unquote nightmare that you're talking about i've, I've had i think i counted nine managers last week and i've <laughs> you know i've had something like you know eight or nine different band members throughout the years in goldfinger and it's like i'm just I, there's that perfectionistic side to me and then there's that you know that I always want to be, push myself to be better than I am and I think that that's part of your dilemma as well as how can you be the best version of yourself
3: right and then having to deal with it when I uh... I inevitably and oftentimes fall short. And that's like, you know, it's crazy, like it's trying to get through those periods where like, you know, things don't necessarily go the way you you want to. And then sometimes like, I think that was also a big part of the, the maturing process that I hadn't had to do yet, um, which I, I should have figured out before I signed a record deal was sometimes you got to look yourself in the mirror and be like, hey, I, I didn't, I didn't, I could do better. And like being able to like being capable of like that level of self-reflection where you're like, can put your ego aside and I still struggle with that. But sometimes it's like, you know, you put a song out or something that doesn't necessarily go the way you want. sometimes, you know, you can blame it on everything, but ultimately sometimes you have to look yourself in the mirror and be like, oh, maybe it wasn't as good as I thought it was. (laughs) You know, that's not an easy thing to do, man. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, getting honest with yourself is one of the hardest things anyone, and a lot of people don't ever get honest with themselves. But what I was thinking about was, you know, I'm from Boston, so I automatically think everybody is trying to screw me in any deal that I do out there, any project, whenever this well, they probably deal, are. They are. <laughs> you hear horror stories about the music industry. I mean, I've, I've worked with a lot of musicians, a lot of people in the music industry, and I've heard just the worst horror stories. So I wonder, you know, was that part of the deal too? Like getting the deal done was like- you know, am I getting what I am I supposed to be getting here? Or is this a fair deal? You know, and I love um, that you said perseverate to repeat or prolong an action. I mean, yes. I drag, to drag it out forever.
3: I and, do that. I, I have OCD, so <laughs> you can get caught up in like the deals and all that kind of stuff. And for me, like when I picture success, I haven't, you know, I haven't really achieved like I haven't gotten to where I want to go yet. And I still feel very much like all the things that I've done so far, like I don't feel like I'm standing on firm ground yet. I feel like, you know, the, it's very, it's still, everything is still very fickle. And so, you know, I, I always, i like, oh, I could wake up tomorrow and I'd be back at square one. Um, but uh, for me, like when I pictured success, I was like, never pictured myself like, it was never about like buying nice things or whatever. Like I would, yeah, it'd be nice to like, be able to like, you know, to send my kids to college at some point if I'm fortunate enough to like have a family. But it was always just about like, playing shows, you know, standing in front of a crowd. And so I never got too caught up in like, like deal points and stuff. I also didn't understand it probably something that I should have paid more attention to, to be honest, like the first time around. And I had to learn that the hard way. But what I did get distracted by a lot of times was just like LA, I lived in Phoenix growing up. And so living in Phoenix is very, I mean, it's not a small, I don't come from a small town, but it's much different. You can get kind of get caught up in you know, looking at what everybody else is doing, and there's a, every, you know, the best people in the world are out here. It's like LA, New York, London, I mean, I suppose like Beijing, and like, there's a lot of big cities, but there's only, there's a lot of cities out there, and there's a few like LA, and um, that was very overwhelming, so I, I feel like I've got too caught up in that, and I should have focused more on myself and music, and not worry about what other people were doing. So that was very long-winded, and I don't even think that you had asked me a question, but I answered. Um, I answered a question that I wanted. To, I guess um, I don't know. I just, just yeah, said I, I was just loving. Like,
2: <laughs> there's, there's nowhere like like LA, and I think people get overwhelmed. And I, I meet bands all the, or artists all the time that are that just move here from other cities. And it's all, it's its at first, it's only about the music. And it's only about, you know, how great of a song can we write, you know, and the excitement of being in the studio for the first time and making music. And then album two, they've all bought How to Succeed, like the book, How to Succeed in the Music Business. They've all, they're all back in school to be a lawyer. They're all self-managing. And it's like, dude, like, you know, focus on what matters because song is king. No matter how you look at it, you know, song is. If you're a musician, that's the thing that matters more than anything. And I was looking at your trajectory. I mean, you're, you're closing in on a on a billion plays on Let Me Down Slowly. You've got 13 million m- monthly listeners on Spotify. You're like, I mean, from when I first met you, and you because I, I only mention that because you say you're not quite there yet, and I'm just saying that like. You're at at an amazing spot, and I know that you're going to get, you know, you're going to have more successes, and I know your career isn't at its peak. I I can feel that, but I just want to just remind you how awesome your life is just today, right now.
3: Well, thank you for saying that. I, I appreciate it. I mean, yeah, when you say those numbers, like, to me, it's, like, difficult to fathom, like, what that number even is. Like, you know, almost a billion, like, I can't even contemplate, like, begin to contemplate, like, what that means it's crazy. Um, but also for some reason, for me, I, I don't feel like, I don't feel like anything has really changed at all. I kind of feel like the same, like I'm just starting from every single show that I, that I do or whatever. I'm like, Oh man, what if no one buys a ticket or like, what if I put out a song and nobody listens? So I feel like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say, but thank you. I we were
2: We it. were talking about this last week, the <clears> idea <throat> of, um, of like there's there's always this mountain you know like okay i i just don't want to sell shoes anymore for me that was like a huge driving factor prove my father wrong my father always told me i was never going to make it so i had to prove my father wrong and then not sell shoes anymore and then i got to that mountain and then lo and behold in the distance there's another horizon all right i want to sell out my first show at the troubadour okay i want to get a record deal i want to have a gold album like i had and then there's always a mountain that's like further on and it's like I I know that it gets overwhelming right now in COVID because we can't see the results of our work. And the way I see it is when people are singing along to a song that I wrote by myself in my bedroom, like that's how I see success and I can't see it right now, you know, and you can't see it. And so I know it's difficult, but man, I got to tell you, it's going to be there bigger than ever next year for you
3: well you know i hope so and i've spent a lot of time over the quarantine the, at the beginning i was pretty depressed so i didn't do much but then i sort of kind of was able to claw my way out of the hole that i was in and i've been writing songs and i'm starting to feel like you know also too i kind of realized in my life like what's important and getting to spend time with my family and stuff like i um especially like my parents are older and uh, i'm I'm back at home with them right now and um uh Yeah, like it's, I say that like I ever moved out. I never moved out. I was just saying that to make it sound like I had lived somewhere else in my life, but I haven't, (laughs) but, but like I, there's no, I'm not going to have my parents forever and um, no tour or amount of money or whatever could replace the time that I got to spend with them and the relationships that I've cultivated over this period, it's like pretty invaluable. So I'm kind of like, I think like my values are shifting a little bit. Also, man, social media has been like that. I got a, I threw my phone against the wall at the beginning of like break. I was like so frustrated and I was like so addicted to my phone. And, um, yeah, that I've been trying to learn how to like, not look at my phone so much, um, and not, and Mm -hmm. sorry.
1: No, I was just going to say one of the things, the goal of this show is really to help people, right? Like we want to help people who are struggling. And, you know, I was struggling at the beginning of the shutdown too, and I'm a, a breathwork meditation teacher. So, I, you know, it's like, this is what I do, but like having to cancel all my my retreats and my trainings and my classes was so brutal and I got depressed and I never get depressed. And so what did you do to claw your way out of that depression? That's what I want to tap into here. Well,
3: I think I've always been a little bit just like depressed in general. I think like, you know, like the natural levels of dopamine that other people seem to possess, I feel like I've always had slightly less than my friends. And so sometimes it takes like more to stimulate me. I feel like it's always like I was always like it always like that's why I feel like I I gravitate towards playing music is because the one thing that gives me that real high of like being complete euphoria is playing on stage. But uh, one thing that I did was, well, I stopped looking at my phone. Um, and, and also I'm not in a position to be giving advice to anybody because I have a lot of issues and like, I'm still sorting them out. <laughs> um, but I, I did, I, I saw a therapist that was helpful. I started to
1: revelations in therapy. Was there anything you were like, Oh my God, I didn't realize that. Like any re- you know, sort of white light moment revelations with that you yeah. discovered.
3: Well, I think that like one of the revelations, that I've had, and I don't know if this was in therapy, but I start to think about like the information and the things that I like, the information and relationships and uh, whatever like those types of things um, that I have in my life, and all like the articles that I consume on the internet and stuff, or the content I consume. Um, I started thinking about that like uh, like uh, like an actual diet. You know, I have to be more conscious about how I filter out the things that I. Uh, consume on the internet because like you know it's like you wouldn't want to eat Doritos every single day you'd be pretty unhealthy and I think that like that's where I was mentally and so I started going back to you know reading about things like I I read a lot a lot a lot and I listen to a lot of podcasts and I started exercising more and doing things that just like you know not worrying about like oh man like what is you know like you know what, what how many likes did I get on this picture like you know like why is this person like or watching like you know videos on TikTok and getting like sucked into that wormhole, I kind of just like focused on myself and did those things. Like I went back to the basics, those things that I've liked since I was young, and that was very fulfilling. Which seems obvious, you know, but when you're so deep in it, can feel when you finally figure out like, hey, you know, I should just do all these things that people tell you to do: eat healthy and exercise and read books. It's like it feels like a revelation, but <laughs> it is profound. <laughs> but I should have yeah. known. <laughs>
1: Be careful what you feed your mind. I love that. Alex. Yeah. I mean like just it's so easy to go down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories, election stuff. Anything. Yo I'm kind of way
3: into the conspiracy theories but like, just because they're <laughs> awesome but like I, I actually kind of <laughs> yo, I kind of I kind of I kind of like some of those but but yes. I get I, that I, but
1: like what world do you want to believe you're living in? You know what I mean? Like for me like if I start to go down that rabbit hole and then I have I have little children and I start to go like, what world is my kids growing up in? And I start to freak out about it. And then I just gotta take a breath and be like, okay, you know, everyone's healthy, everything's fine. You know, like you, you had a great perspective earlier when you were talking about just being home with your parents. Like, You're never gonna get this time again with your parents. Like no tour is worth that special time with your parents. And that, for me, that's just a perspective. That's just, what am I looking at? What's working in my life today? How am I viewing my life today? I thought you had
2: a really right. good perspective on that. You well, know, what I, what I what I noticed I, I was thinking, are you in a relationship right now?
3: Me with a girl? Yeah. No, I'm not.
2: Uh-uh. Um, I was Like th- a romantic th- relationship? <laughs>
3: well, I was, I was <laughs> th- I'm in a relationship with several different things. I'm in a relationship with um, with certain kinds of food and stuff, but not a girl. I haven't had a I haven't been in a relationship with a, uh, like a girl in seven years.
2: Yeah, cuz I was you were talking about um the idea of putting your kids through college. And I was was just thinking, I don't even think he's in a relationship, but you're already (laughs) thinking about putting your kids. Well, I didn't even graduate college. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's so funny how the mind works. And, And, you know, I spend the majority of my mornings doing my morning routine so I can live in the moment. So I'm not thinking about how am I going to afford to put both my kids through college and who are actually, you know, you know, 12 and 15 at this. I mean, look, Alec, I'm John Paul Alec. Uh, over Christmas time came last year, came and played at my kid's school Christmas songs for my daughter at, uh, at her fifth grade class. And it was like, it was just the most generous, Gift that he could have ever given me to give the gift of. It song. was a gift for
3: me. It was. I, I had, it filled my heart with a lot of joy. So it was. Uh, the,
2: those kids were like so, and afterwards, all these kids hit me up through um through their teacher. They're like, "That was Alec Benjamin. I can't believe he came and and sang." And they were just blown away by the whole thing. And it was like, like those kind of moments. I try. I, I try and just be here. In the moment with you now, like today I boxed already. I went for a cold plunge. I said prayers on my knees like I'm doing I'm doing everything I know that works for me to stay in the moment. So I'm not worried about what that. Because the future is always this empty vacuum of, of failure whenever I really think about it. So why would I ever want to spend time in that vacuum? So I try and do everything I can to live in the moment where everything is fine. I'm completely taken care of in this moment
3: right here. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I think that's one thing that is like, I have kind of learned recently is like just um, following your intuition and doing the things that you want to do and the things that, that make you happy and make you feel healthy because um, it's easy to get distracted and uh, easy to get thrown off um, off the off the path. But yeah, I'm sure exercise in the morning is great, you know? <laughs> also, I realized that like happiness, like happiness is like, uh, and these kinds of things, like a lot of this stuff like um, takes uh, takes effort, you know? You have to work at it. Um, it's like, it doesn't just, it, it's not just something that, that you get, you have to like, um, I saw this, this quote on, like, on Facebook the other day. It's just, it, it sounded profound to me, but it's like, um, you know, everything is hard. You have to choose your hard. Like, you know, you want to ultimately, anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but, anyways, yeah, I, I get it. I don't know. I was what trying is, to say something things, profound, but it didn't work out. <laughs> no, I get it.
1: One of the things I say in my classes all the time, which is not my quote, but is if you do what's easy all the time, then life will get hard. But if you do what's hard, then life yeah. will get easy, right? and doing right. what's hard is like like what feldy was talking about getting up and exercising and like i meditated this morning for 25 minutes and i do every day but it was like it was hell for some reason today it was harder than other days and just sitting there on the bench meditating i just i like i wanted to get off so bad and i wasn't into it but i know that the rest of my day is going to be better as a result of doing that thing that i didn't want to do the same thing with exercise and I think that all of us on this, on this podcast can say what we don't, what We were talking about climbing the mountain earlier. It's like, you're always on to the next thing. What's the next thing, the next record, the next, whatever. But if you rewind to three years ago or five years ago, whatever it is, might be a year ago for you. You wished that you were where you are right now. Right? right. Like my life right now is the dream that I had five years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I literally have like things that will come up on my phone and it'll be like, you know, my goal board and I'll, and I'll look at it and I'll go, Oh my God, I hit all those goals, which seemed, I didn't even know how I was going to get there. Right. Um, And, but I forgot about it and I'm on to the next thing. Right. And so taking a moment to rewind to where I wanted to be into realizing I am right now where I wanted to be a couple of years ago is so huge for me.
3: Hey, that's true. That's true too. I, I feel like on the other end of that as well, like, you know, um, looking into the future, I've, I've sort of like, kind of, um, and maybe this is a way that I can rationalize like not achieving the milestones um, that I wanted to achieve when I wanted to achieve them. So um, maybe this um, point, of, this perspective that I'm about to give is biased, um, uh, and influenced by that. But at the same time, I've also sort of like realized that like I can expand my time horizon a little bit as well. Like I can reflect on the past and be like, wow, it's cool that I'm here. But if I'm not exactly where I want can always go like okay well you know like for example if if the song that you put out or whatever doesn't perform the way you want it to immediately doesn't mean that it won't you know and also like there's plenty of songs like for example one of my favorite songs ever written is uh is hallelujah by leonard cohen and like that was not a hit in its day but it's bigger than any song i can think of and will be you know so when people are like you know, this is like the competitive streak in me where like, oh man, like I didn't, I'm did not i not the biggest artist that I want to be like, well, but I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe if I make music that is true to my soul, it will withstand the test of time. And then if I expand my time horizon, I can ultimately reach <laughs> the goal that I set for myself, <laughs> which may, may, makes me feel better in my head. You know, if I don't get to achieve the things I want, <laughs> that's kind of a non sequitur, but that's something that's made me feel better.
2: Yeah. You know what I was thinking is like the the career, the trajectory that you have in your career <laughs> is is very different. I, I worked with this artist last week who had a hit on a Fortnite YouTube video. And Sweet. it's got like, I don't know, maybe 200 million plays. And it's, it's done really, really well. And he's never played a show. And his goal, you know, in his life is to have a gold single. He doesn't care about playing shows. He has no interest in like, Going to a club and like letting people sing back the words. He just, and it's like so, and it's, and it happens so quickly. Like these kind of artists that I'm working with that don't really have that, that goal to play, to go tour, to get in a van and tour. Where, you know, when I started playing music, I was, you know, wallpaper pasting our flyers up and down Sunset Boulevard. And the whole, and that was the whole dream was to, to have people at the show to maybe, you know, get a girl I could kiss after the show. <laughs> or, or like, you know, like have people just singing along. And um and you're like, you're in that, I mean, you're still really young, but you still like the way you talk about the live show. I mean, that really is, and I remember, cause I've, I've, I've obviously followed your career, you know, since the beginning. And, you know, I remember you were busking in Europe, you know, and I, I think you were on tour with John Bellion, I think. And um, and you were doing these kind of festival events, but you were you were playing outside on the street, you know, in between sets. And it was like, you know, that to me, it's such a true artist, the way that you have built your career. And I just um, I admire it so much because it reminds me of how I started. But you also tap into like this new school idea of what is social media, which you, you can't ignore. You just can't ignore it.
3: Right. It's, well, it's crazy. I think like also society is still learning how to reckon with uh, and uh, like the um, changes that it's having on us, like consciously and and unconsciously or subconsciously, I guess. But like, I don't know, I think like we're about to revert back to like some more old school stuff after this. Cause I I think that we, I don't know, you like, you find like, I don't know. It's like when you find some, you know, new food or whatever, and then you, you're like, oh, it's amazing. Like, and then, Or whatever and you eat it to oblivion and then you realize like everything is like pros and cons and you start to realize what the cons are and I think our society needs to like maybe take a step back and look at like some of the negative effects that social media is having on us and it's like also too like I love live performance because it's not like I mean look the songs are premeditated and I suppose everybody does it differently but for me it's cool because like when you put out something on you know when you put out something on on your Instagram like everybody is experiencing the same thing it's not a unique experience and i like having a unique experience every night that happens once and never happens again
2: we just played a show at the roxy we did a um a pay-per-view event where you know i got i put my suit on and got the band back together and we did like Sweet. we did like an hour and a half set you know just on camera and it was so awesome to be on stage with a light show and everyone just, you know, dressed up. It was so fun, man. And um, I don't know how, you know, I, I don't think, I, I went and I saw Sublime do a drive, drive-in show in Ventura and it was not, it did not seem like a great experience for anybody. And I just, so I'm not going to do that one, I don't think. But um, <laughs> yeah, how can we do that? I've done a bunch of Instagram live stuff. I've done, a, I've done a bunch of just quarantine videos. Like, what are you doing to be able to, quell that that thirst for playing i'm
3: just waiting i'm like i'm gonna just wait i think i'm just gonna write songs and and like just hope that shows come back i think at some point they will yeah i'm just waiting i don't know also too like one of the things that's been so weird as well and like not to not that we have to like really go into it but like also just like looking at like you know, America and, like, the things that are happening here and, like, across the globe, like, geopolitically and stuff, like, it's a really, like, tumultuous time. It's kind of crazy to try and process all these things at at once. Um, It's kind of fascinating, but it's crazy. Um, That's definitely, like, has a, yeah, I don't know, but I'm, well, I'm I'm thinking some other countries are going to open up soon. I got, um, there's some festival offers that have, for like Asia next year, and that's promising because that means that they're like thinking that it's going to be open then for shows. Well, <laughs> so you know, no. if
1: this vaccine thing works out the way they're hoping, it's going to work out with the two new vaccines, then they're saying within a year that things will come back to normal again. And yeah. if enough people take it, you know, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole of vaccines, but enough people will take it that, like, that will build the her- herd immunity and we'll go back to normal. But I like what Feldy was saying about talking about playing um, music for the love of music and not for a gold, not for a gold single. Like, I got to see Prince once, and Prince had played at the Aladdin in front of, like, I don't know, 50,000 people or 20,000 people, whatever the Aladdin holds. And then I was in a nightclub, and after he played a two or three hour set at the Aladdin, he came to the nightclub at two in the morning and played in this little nightclub for three hours. I got to watch Prince play for three hours, like three feet away. You know, he he handed me and my buddy the microphone for act your age, not your shoe size, that line in that song. It was mm-hmm. incredible and he just and i was told by a friend of his it's like he just wants to play like he just wanted to play music all the time he didn't care yeah. he was in the street in between sets or whatever like Feldy was talking about with you and so maybe you know is that your therapy is just playing the
2: music
3: yeah well i mean i think that music is a vehicle for me um to like express my emotions and to communicate and i feel like ever since i was a kid like I feel, always felt like people weren't listening to me. Like, I'm like, oh, I, I like, really desperately wanted to communicate the way I felt to people, but I always felt like people weren't listening. And so then I started to sing. And then all of a sudden, people kind of like, listened to me for the first time. And I was like, okay, well, maybe if I can use this to sort of uh, as like a vehicle for some of the ideas and stuff that I have like that would be cool uh and maybe people will listen and so um I, I feel like I just have a thirst to like uh, communicate you know I can't like help but communicate which gets me in trouble sometimes I, I can't stop talking and then I say things that I shouldn't say or get myself in trouble um but but like I feel like that's been the thing I feel like I'm just like constipated <laughs> not like not like physically constipated but emotionally constipated because like that's my release when i get up on stage and there's a crowd of people there i'm like okay let me talk to you guys like let me just say something and you know people will listen and it, it's it feels great yeah feel good. i remember
2: when you were um we, we were just jamming we I had a party one of my christmas parties one of these years and and you you showed up and we just like ended up kind of jamming a little bit, you know, I I think Ashton from Five Seconds of Summer was there. And it's just like, your love of music is infectious. And it's just, you know, you're just like a a, a musician's musician, where it's just comes so naturally for you. And you're just like, um, it just comes out of out of you effortlessly. And, uh, you know, I have a really, I'm not the greatest singer. I'm I'm definitely not Freddie Mercury. But um, I mean, I love doing it. It's one of the only times in my life that I can be like really be in the moment without putting any effort is on stage, you know? I'm never thinking about like the next song or how I messed up the last song. I mean, I think about it after the show, but like when I'm on stage, I'm just like, you know, what kind of joke can I make when I have to restart a song? And it's just like, it's just the best feeling ever, you know? And I was thinking about like the idea of social media, how you mentioned everyone has the same experience when they watch a video, you know? Um, and there, and there, um, there is that compare where they say compare despair. Like when you're looking at other, other people's like that someone might be working in a cubicle in an office, you know, like Jim and Pam or something. And then, and they're, they're posting pictures of their trip from Hawaii a year ago. And you're thinking, oh, these guys are in Hawaii. And I remember I was in London, my favorite city in the planet on tour and i was looking at someone's instagram about like someone's someone just fixed their car and i'm like why am i looking at some dude's car in la when i'm in london it was just this epiphany you know
3: right well, yo that's you know i think that's one of the things that i've been thinking about a lot recently actually is that like and this is maybe a little bit different but i remember so my when i was, I was talking to my mom um and um I read this thing. I think it's Jonathan Haidt. Um, is the name of the guy who wrote the book. And he's talking about how like this generation of kids like is um, um, maybe like more depressed because of social media. And I thought like um, I was talking to my mom, and my mom and my dad grew up pretty poor, but they didn't like know, you know, because everyone was poor. So it's like when everyone's poor, it's just like this, the you know the regular it's just how every, it's just like the status quo. Like you don't think about you don't think about it that way, but um, I think that, like, one of the interesting things is that, like, now, like, I don't know like you're exposed to so many things and you like right you can see the pictures of the cars and things like that and it's like you know before like if there was like a hierarchy or whatever in your high school it's like you only had to compete with the most popular guy there or the most popular girl there and now everyone's competing with kylie jenner and i feel like i wonder what that's doing to the psyche of 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 the world because like you know then it's like you could be living uh, in a slum somewhere and looking at a Lamborghini. like that's that's that that sucks you know (laughs) so i feel like one thing that i've been kind of one thing that i've been kind of doing is like um uh you know everything is relative right so you can change your emotions by changing the relative world that you live in and when you stop looking at the cars they kind of don't exist if you don't know they're there they're not they don't exist (laughs) you know what i mean like there will will be other people you can't just learn to be okay with other people being more successful than you than if you could just like um not uh, know that they're there that also helps (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> I, know, I know there is there is something about ignorance is bliss and and at, at least for me you know my wife and I are on kind of two two different sides of the political fence and um you know I uh I just love is the answer love and kindness forgiveness is the answer for me and and when I'm looking at the news whatever news station's on I'm just I'm just anxious and I can't control any of it yeah. so why don't why would I want to bring that in my life where I can't control it and what is it what is it really affecting in, in my life? You know, I mean, if they, I guess if they reinstated the draft, I mean, that would dramatically affect my life because of my children, you know, but that's not happening. I mean, that this stuff that's happening out there is just like petty, petty bullshit of people just saying, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. And it's like, why do I want to involve myself with any of it? You know, I did, I voted, I did my part and then I have to let it go. And I think that the challenge for the country, at least with people that it's not like I'm hard left, but I mean, the challenge is watching this guy that just won't, that won't get into acceptance, where my whole life is based around being in acceptance of where I'm at today and now, you know?
3: That makes a lot of sense. uh, I've I've decided that I haven't watched the news in like a month. So I have no idea what's going on. So don't tell me too much. <laughs> don't change my relative universe. <laughs> you picked the None best of it exists you ever, now.
1: Alex. To, to not watch the
3: news—literally
1: the, the best month in history to not watch the news.
3: I mean, because it. What does... are some? Uh... Oh,
1: Go ahead. sorry. Go ahead.
3: I was just going to say, what are some breathing things that I could learn from you that I could do to sort of regulate my emotions? And, yeah, that's a great whatever. question.
1: So one, the simplest, easiest, fastest technique that I use a lot, like if I have to speak in front of hundreds or sometimes thousands of people, I'll do this technique where I breathe in through my nose, down into my belly or my diaphragm. You know how to breathe in your diaphragm. You're a singer. So in through your nose, into your diaphragm, right? About four seconds, let's say. And then I do a long exhale and you can make a sound where it's like this. And you want the exhale to be almost twice as long and you can even do it. You can make a louder sound like this into your nose, into your diaphragm, and then twice as long and go like this. And what that does is you have a sympathetic and a parasympathetic nervous system right? Okay. And your sympathetic is fight or flight. That's when you're like scared, you're in danger, whatever. Your parasympathetic is rest and digest when you want to relax, when you go to bed at night. And oftentimes we get into situations like maybe before I'm going to speak or, you know, if you're going to go on stage, you're, you guys love it, I know. But you, if you get into your parasympathetic, it relaxes you. So to do that, you do twice as long an exhale, right?
3: And How that, many repetitions?
1: You, can, I, you know, it's up to you, but I might just do five, sometimes 10. I might do three, whatever. That's a simple breathing technique that will put you in your parasympathetic nervous system and relax you and calm you down, and I do that. My other main technique that I do is I do a class and it's really intense, it's through the mouth, and this thing, it's kind of trippy. It's kind of like, it puts you in an altered state, but it clears out trauma, it clears out depression, it clears out anxiety. And Are you
3: familiar with Wim Hof?
1: Yes, I do okay, Wim Hof, I just- yeah.
3: I I just watched like a a documentary on him and he's fascinating and it opened up my mind to like how much breathing can, like do things like that. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: So my class, my technique, my main technique. It's about 28 minutes of breathing. It's really intense. And people say, "Oh, holy shit, that was like Wim Hof on steroids." Like I hear that comment a lot from people who have done Wim Hof and then do my class. So what I'll do is I'll I'll send my class that I had um, this past weekend to Felde after the podcast, and you can do it. So it's, it's recorded. Um, and oh, just that'd be yeah,
3: wonderful. Yeah,
1: and experience it, and then let me know. Let me know what that experience was like because it, it's. It's pretty wild and it's it's a little scary. It's way more intense than you think it's going to be. It's not like a relaxing thing. It's like a workout, but the most common statement afterwards is holy shit that was like 20 years of therapy without having to say a word. So is
3: it like does it affect your mental state while you're doing it?
1: Yeah, it's intense. It's, There's like levels. Like at the beginning, you're like, whoa, this is hard. I'm dizzy. I feel weird. I don't like it. Uh, I'm going to pass out. And your, your brain is trying to get you to stop. And I go over all this in the talk beforehand. And then you go to like, okay, I'm doing this. And then it's like, oh, whoa, this is trippy. Like my body feels weird. It's kind of like, Psychedelics in a way where there's like layers and layers. Have you ever done psychedelics?
3: Is that a personal question? <laughs> I don't. You don't yeah, have I to answer that. Yeah,
1: I've done lots of acid. I've done mushrooms. I've done all kinds of drugs. I'm I'm in recovery. I'm 20 years sober. So um, okay.
3: Well, hey, that's amazing.
1: Thank you. Yeah. So I, it's, kind, it's kind of like that, and uh, so you know, felt I smoked had weed for the it. first
3: time over over. I smoked weed for the first time, and then never in my 26 years of life. And I got really bored, so I smoked weed, and I it was I thought I was gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> I had I hated,
2: I hated weed like I'd get I'd get sweat under one armpit I would just check my pulse like I'm a, dr- I'm a garden variety drunk I just drank alcohol that was what worked for me I just could never smoke weed I
3: hate yeah. it yo I had an edible and I, I ate one of the I made the rookie mistake of being like oh I don't feel it yet so I had three gummies <laughs> And I actually thought I was dying. I I slept at the foot of my parents' bed. <laughs>
2: so, yeah. but
3: yeah, I, I don't I don't drink that much. Um, but I would definitely uh, I don't like alcohol that much. But I prefer it to smoking weed. <laughs>
1: Well, like I tell people, a lot of people are into the ayahuasca and all this stuff now. And I tell people, I'm like, listen, you don't need to go into a jungle and take ayahuasca and throw up into a bucket. Like you can lay on the floor and breathe this way for 25, 28 minutes. It'll give you that same intense spiritual experience. And then you can go on and enjoy your Tuesday afternoon. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like your whole life isn't uprooted to do this, to have this experience. Right. And, And so when I found this technique nine years ago, I couldn't believe that everybody didn't know about it. And and I made it, I do it. How did you way. discover
3: it? Uh,
1: I, You know, somebody did it. Somebody sent me to this healer, this weird healer guy, um, this big celebrity that I was working with. And then he did some crazy breathing thing. And then I found this... Class and it was really weird and new agey and woo woo. So I thought, God, if I taught this in a way that wasn't new agey and woo woo for like normal people, I'd have three hundred people in the room. And before the shutdown, I was doing classes all over the country with like three, four hundred people in the room.
2: Oh wow! Yeah. So this and, uh, Alec, this technique is like um, I, I was. I think I was uh, John Paul's guinea pig. I think he taught it to me before anybody. And um, and it is like a workout where it's not like some easy thing, but it's also not, it's like, you're just breathing. I mean, you're just sitting on the ground and laying on the ground and breathing. But I mean, right. I've, I've struggled with panic attacks my whole life. Like I've, I had my first panic attack when I was in high school, when I was 15 and I've had anxiety and panic attacks all my, all my life. And this is, and I've tried everything, you know, from running to diet, to no sugar, to no caffeine, to, um, medication to therapy to EMDR uh, TMS nothing has worked the way breathing works for me like this thing this thing treats panic attacks I mean literally like it goes away like the shit goes away when I when I do breath work so it's an amazing I think you know John Paul's being a bit humble right now it's just very it's a it's a
3: life changing experience okay yeah. all right so I need to try it as yeah. soon as possible
1: for sure I'm gonna send you my class. Uh, it's supposed to come down this afternoon because it gets deleted from the cloud. But what I'll do is I'll leave it up uh, for another day so that you can experience it, or you can come on Sunday. I do it every every Sunday morning. Um, depends on your time zone, but uh, here in LA, or, well, I'm in Oregon. I live in or- I live in Orange County. Uh, okay, so I'm in, I'm in Oregon now. I used to live in LA, but so it's at nine in the morning on Sundays, and so you could come do the class with me live on Sunday, or I'll send you the replay, right? And so I do it live every week. And it's intense. I have people from all over the entire planet, and the, you know it changed the entire direction of my life. I didn't even know this thing existed before I did it, and now my whole life is different because of it. And it just clears out, we all have this voice inside of us that tells us we're not enough in some way. I'm not smart enough, I'm not rich enough, I'm not talented enough, I'm not funny enough, I'm not hairy enough, I'm not enough. And it clears out that lie that we all have that I'm not enough. And when you clear out that lie, then you can write anything, you can do anything, you can say anything, you don't give a shit. You can, you can create from a place of like, total not caring about what other think, people think of you. And when you can create from that place, then you're really creating.
3: Right, okay. How many times a week? Um, do people do you do you breathe do you breathe? do it well when i first
1: started it i did it every day because i had a lot of trauma so it clears trauma out of your nervous system and i had things that had happened to me i had been stabbed i'd been oh my gosh yeah so i clear i needed a lot i didn't need a lot i had a lot of trauma, so i did it every day but what i tell people is like you know you can do it every day there's no harm from doing it every day you can do it once a week you can do it as needed Felly did it a lot in the beginning, and now he does it, like, periodically with me, and he was my first guinea pig. Him and my friend Francho, I did it with those guys first, and it was so cool to, to like, take my friends through this experience, because that, now it's like, now I'm helping people heal their stuff, right? Right. Heal Heal their trauma, and now I have purpose and fulfillment that I never had before. Like, my life has purpose and meaning and fulfillment, and when you have that, when you have purpose and fulfillment, like... You were talking about happiness earlier. Like I believe that happiness comes and goes. It's an emotion. Yes, yeah, true. Sometimes I'm happy sometimes. I'm not. But if I have fulfillment, if I know I'm doing good work in the world, then it doesn't matter. Like if I'm happy today or not today. Like I'm I'm doing good work in the world. I'm helping people. Mm-hmm. So that's what I try to focus on: is purpose and fulfillment. You know, and yeah, I want to be happy too. I don't want to feel like shit all the time. That's for sure. So right.
2: Well, gonna, that. I, want, Sorry? I, wanted, I wanted to ask you, Alec, um, you know, you're, you've been living with your parents. My mom, my, my father passed away about 10 years ago, and, and I, I visit my mom as much as I can up in the Bay Area. And um, I just I love that you're that you're getting to experience these years with your parents. But you mentioned your, your dad is not doing so great. What's going on?
3: He's just, um, yeah, I think. I don't know how much how much he would want me to uh, to expose. So, <laughs> I'll be, but I think he's just sort of like, yeah, he's just been going and been in and out of the, of like of the hospital for the last like month or so, and it's just sort of, um, yeah, he was not doing well for a while, and um, yeah, I'm getting to that point in my life where people are getting old, you know, <laughs> like I, I I was fortunate enough to have um, my grandparents until I was like my grandma passed away. You met my grandma. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. She passed away a few years ago. But like, I'm starting to get to that point in my life where like, oh, like, I think people are like, people are getting older, um, and it's it's very weird. <laughs> so that's what's going on with my dad. He's getting older. <laughs> yeah. But he's gonna be okay. Um, but yeah, it's just a little bit of a weird thing to to come to grips with. But he'll be all right.
2: What was that song that you had written about your grandfather?
3: Oh, yeah. It was like the first song that I made. It was called Beautiful Pain. And it was like the first song that I made when I was like 14 or 15. And um, yeah, it was very it was cool to be able to put that into like it. It's it seems like a very cliche thing to say, but it's like, oh, if you feel bad, though, I the only reason I feel so sad is because it was really beautiful having the opportunity to have this person in my life. And so, you know, it's uh, bittersweet. Like it's a it's it's. It's, it's better than yeah it's the more it hurts that means that like the person had a big impact on you and that's a beautiful thing so that's what the song was about i um, think
2: i think you played that song was it on a, on a phoenix talk show or something I do,
3: yes yes <laughs> don't tell anybody <laughs> it's very
2: embarrassing I just, I, that was the thing that cinched the deal for me that was when i knew because the song was so incredible and the host the host was so awkward and you just Crushed it. It was this amazing performance, and I was like, "But it's just those moments that you never know." Like you, obviously, you don't love that performance, but I mean, to me, it was the thing that I'm like, "This kid is
3: the real deal," you know. Do you ever thank you? That makes me feel good because I wake up every day and I'm like, "Man, I don't think I'm good enough to to do this." And I really admire you, so when I hear you say that, it makes me feel like, "Okay, I'm on the right path." But I wonder, like, you know. Do you ever feel like oh you make a song you're like man i don't know if i'm gonna be able to do that again like i don't know if i'll ever make a song as good as the last one i made or how do you have you ever had that feeling and if so how do you put it behind you because it could be very paralyzing
2: i've been working with this um this pop star the last month and we wrote a really, really great song, pretty much early, pretty early in the process, and and every day, it, um, every day, two weeks ago, we were starting by listening to that one song, and then we would never write anything as good, and I was, and and so we stopped doing that we stopped listening to the song that we're like, can we beat it? Can we beat it? You know? And we just kind of moved on and, and just really, you have to realize at least for me that art is art and how do you compare art to art? Because I mean, when I, I I'll work with, you know, Hillary Duff and Fever 333 or you know Black Veil Brides and Five Seconds of Summer and they're they're all kind of different artists and how can I compare one to the other and what is good you may not like an artist but doesn't mean they're not good just means it's not your style of of music and for you it's like you know trying to you know recapture you know a hit it's like you're just going to keep creating and your next hit's going to come unexpectedly I mean that's the way that it's, it's always happened for me but I try you know my mind I, I have ADD like crazy so I have a really hard time kind of remembering things I could have I could have never been an actor you know but it's like music like I'm able to create something new every day and so um for me it's about my, my biggest problem Alec is like not I never take time off and when I do take time off, I come back in the studio with such a vigor and excitement for being, for creating music again, that it just, I, I have this sense of like, um, I'm going to do something amazing. And it, and it usually works out that way. But man, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I just love you so much. And I just, um, I hate to hear that, you know, you're struggling with all that same stuff that we all struggle with. But look, that's the, the plight of the artist, I think.
3: Yeah. Well, it's it's good to at least hear that, um, you know, that I'm not alone in that regard. Because <laughs> like to know someone as as talented as you has also struggled with some of the same things makes me feel like I'm not crazy.
2: <laughs> yeah, you, you're gonna be you're gonna be fine. You've got the the greatest manager on the planet. You're. Uh, i mean you're 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 just crushing it man and it's like my kids still talk about or my daughter still talks about that show to this day they wore she wore her alec benjamin t-shirt two days ago it's like that was like the first concert that was like for her because she'd come to see no effects or bad religion or goldfinger and it's that's like not a, it. that's not her kind
3: of music at all well it'd be a but very cool very cool bands to be seeing <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> Especially I mean, at that age. yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's like you were the first show that like she could actually like hear melody and like sing along. It was just a different experience for her. And so that was like game changing for my daughter. That was her first real concert. So oh, very
3: cool for me to hear that because I it's cool to know that people have that are having that experience at my show because I had that experience seeing some of my favorite artists and to know that I can do that for other people is like probably the coolest about getting to be a musician yeah That's very cool you know
1: we had this little bit on the last podcast where it's like you know we don't see ourselves as other people see us you know you're this you're incredibly successful and you're an incredibly talented musician and you're not seeing that success you're not seeing yourself as way other people see you and 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 it's not about being getting that ego, like building your ego out so that, that you are like, oh, I know I'm huge, you know? It's kind of like just getting what we call right-sized, you know?
3: Or maybe I just need to let everybody know how uh, um, fucked up I am.
1: Excuse my language.
3: <laughs> maybe well, they yeah, just... I mean, we're all fucked up, but like... I give them some insight into 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 that. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, you know, what would it be like if you cleared that out, though? If you, if you changed your story, if you let go of that story of like, oh, I'm never going to write another song again or i'm you know i'm not as talented as this or whatever the story is whatever that that negative line is that you're feeding yourself that we all do i do it feldy does it we all do it that negative line but what would it, what would it what would you create what would you do what would your, what would you feel like if you could turn off that voice
3: the voice know? in my head that um, makes me doubt myself
1: that's right you know um, even, even if it's for like a certain amount of the day you know like what then what what would your music be like you know how would you create from there if you could turn that self-doubt off
3: uh, well i'm gonna have to do your breathing method and then we'll find out yeah. <laughs> i'm not sure i've ever been uh, successful in turning that part of my brain off so yeah, i, guess I mean, hopefully i'll be able to do was, that in the future
1: it was the only time It was the first time and the only way i've, I've ever done it. it other than hard drugs which i can't do you know it ruins my life and everyone's right
3: yeah like, alec don't do that yeah, like, I'm not, I'm not planning on
1: it. Well, you can't, you can't function after that. Like, that's the difference is like, you can do this breathing thing. It turns off that, that voice in your head and then you can go write a song. That's what Felly does with a lot of artists. He has them come in there and he has them breathe and then start working from that place where they're not like, oh no, I'm nervous in the studio. I'm, I, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to, you know, show up in the best way possible. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the benefit of it, you know? and. I, I didn't want, I don't want to sell it because I'm always talking about it on this show. And like, it always comes up and I'm always going into how much it's changed my life. And I feel like a broken record, but-
3: Well, I mean, look, I feel like if, if uh, that's something that you should share with people and uh, you should go shout it from the rooftops. If, if uh, I'm sure it will, if, I'm, I'll, I'm sure I'll be telling everybody about it. So I think it's well, something that people need to know.
1: It might scare the living shit out of you, but then you'll come out on the other side, like, oh, that was amazing. Like it's- sort right. of- <laughs> Sort of like a process, but uh, yeah, I just sent the link to Feldy. He'll send it to you, and then cool. you do it. And then if you want to reach out to me and talk to me about it, I'll be happy to talk to you about I'd it. I'd love to. Yeah, I mean it's cool, and it, you know, this has been great to have you on. It's been such an amazing show
3: today. Thanks, thanks for having me. I hope I did a good job. I don't know. You, I was were, you killed it, Alex. That was <laughs> Alex ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, hey,
2: Alec. thanks. Hey, thanks, guys. Yeah,
3: thank, thank you. you.
0: Thank you for having me. All right, cool. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Hey, how'd it do, y'all? I'm Uncle Drank, star of the Ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane is a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.